You're listening to the Mount Pleasant Podcast. To learn more about our church, visit us online at www.mpbc.church. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Thank you, Kevin. And uh, as he was talking there, uh, this memory's flooded back in my heart. Uh, I can remember back in the the, uh, the old sanctuary on uh, December 12, 1999, I answered the call to preach and uh, in this church, and this church has been my home church for a long time, and, uh, and I just want to let you know how much I appreciate uh, you, uh, whether you realize it or not, you're an anchor to Craig Church Ministries and also to what God is doing through Faith Fest, uh, which is absolutely amazing uh, what he's doing uh, through uh, Faith Fest. And thank you all so much for being a part of that. And uh, thank you for all your support uh, throughout the years. Uh, It means a lot to me, Uh, individuals in here and also church as a whole. And I just want to thank you so much. Uh, I don't think I can express how grateful I am. Uh, for you. Um, this morning, you know, Kevin was talking about him being old and on the mission field all week. I hadn't been on the mission field all week. And these three services back to back to back uh, is really hard on me. <laughs> and I can just imagine coming off the mission field and, and so... Uh, so we need to, my, my, the first time I ever preached three times here, uh, my, my prayer life intensified for Kevin <laughs> because I experienced what he experiences week in and week out. And so uh, pray, for, pray for our pastor. Pray for our pastor. Uh, he needs it, and uh, we all do. Um, this week I was driving, and uh, Mark, Mark is in here. I was driving to Chick-fil-A, and uh, how many of you, sometimes when you're driving, you don't pay a lot of attention? My wife, she's all the time grabbing my arm or grabbing the door or something like that because I, I have a tendency not to pay a, as good of attention as, and our wives, you know, they're really good to tell us that. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, and so uh, I was going down through there, and I, I had a lot on my mind, a lot on my plate with Faith Fest and, and things that are going um, on this week. I've got a lot of preaching engagements this week. And I was going down through there and wasn't paying any attention. And, and some of you may have found the hole that uh, as you pull into the first entrance of, of Lowe's there to go to, to Chick-fil-A, that there's a hole there. It's a pothole. And I'm telling you what, I, I saw it just about, I mean, just right when I was getting ready to see it, I saw that hole. And I mean, it rattled my teeth. I'm telling you, it rattled my teeth because, you see, I drive a Prius. You know, some of you got these big trucks. You probably don't understand what I'm talking about. But I was driving a Prius, and, uh, and I mean, I'm telling you, I hit that pothole, and I mean, it just scared me absolutely to death. And it got my attention. 
it got my attention. And uh, I had to sit in the parking lot just for, for a minute before I went into Chick-fil-A. But uh, I want you to understand this morning that we're going to hit a pothole. Okay. This is, uh, the Lord impressed on me to entitle this message, A Word for the Western Church, which is us. And it's out of Matthew chapter 7. And I'm telling you, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a much needed word. It's a hard word. And I pray that the Lord will uh, allow you and us to open up our hearts and to have his way in our lives this morning. And this all started several months ago when I got a text from a lady. I'd been in her church doing several revivals and uh, got to know her. But uh, she posted to Facebook these words that just rang out in my heart and in my mind. I couldn't get away from it. She said these words, I always thought I was, but tonight... I know I am a child of the king. Let me say that again. I always thought I was, but now, tonight, I know I am a child of the one true king. And I couldn't get that out of my mind because you got to understand something. This lady played the organ. She sang in the choir. She was involved in all the the activities of the church, but yet somehow she missed the main thing. Somehow she missed the main thing. And I I am so afraid, and, and I know as I look at the Western church, I know there's many just like that have been in church all their lives, been decades all their lives in the church, and somehow sit in the church Sunday after Sunday and miss the main thing. And I believe Jesus addresses this in Matthew chapter 7, but before I get there, I want to pose some questions, and one of the greatest questions I want to pose to you this morning, and that is facing the Western church of today, is this question, how is it possible to be a Christian for years, even decades, without taking on the attributes, the thoughts, and the actions of Jesus? How how is that possible for somebody to, to... to be in the church and, and to, to make a profession and to never take on the attributes and the characteristics of Jesus. Because when one is a true believer, the Holy Spirit of God comes into, into their lives and resides in them. And how can we go through life and not exhibit the life that is within us, which is holy. You see, in the Western church today, we talk about praying a prayer to get saved, but we never talk about holiness anymore. And so, see, the the, the gospel that's being preached today is void of holiness. And thus, we see where we're at today today. 
And I believe that's one of the reasons why this can happen. You see, whether you realize it or not, the church is full of people that don't look like Jesus. Look around. Look in your own life. Look in your families. Look at husbands and wives. Look at each other. What characterizes your life, what dominates your life is what resides in the heart. And you see, it's a heart matter this morning. It's a hard matter this morning, and we see this. Now, please, 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 listen to me out of love. I am not here to make anybody doubt their salvation. I am not here to manipulate a bunch of, of decisions for you to make a, a, another decision so I can post on Facebook how many decisions this evangelist made. I'm sick of that. I can't do anything. I can't. And you see, that magnifies the person instead of the person of Jesus Christ. I'm not here to do that, but I am here today to challenge the Western church, us, to take an honest examination on where you personally stand with Jesus Christ. You see, it's the pothole that we're going to hit today. Where do you personally stand with Jesus Christ? Because I see in the Western church today, we're riding down like I was going to Chick-fil-A. And there's nothing wrong with Chick-fil-A, Mark. I like Chick-fil-A. But we're riding around, and it's smooth sailing. And that's what's happening in the church today. It's smooth sailing and this inclusiveness that, that we've allowed to creep in. And sin is no longer sin. And we don't want to offend anybody. And we want everybody to feel like everything is all right. I'm here to tell you today, everything is not all right. And it should stir us to the core. Because we don't look like Jesus, we don't live like Jesus, we don't have the characteristics like Jesus, and we don't have the power of Jesus. You see, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith, Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you? And there's a question mark. Unless you don't stand the test, you don't pass the test. Now listen, this examination is critical. You can't fail this test. You, you can't fail this test when it comes to eternity. You can't fail this test because when we talk about eternity, it is forever and ever 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 and ever. And when you pass from this life, guess what? There's no retesting. You see, you either pass or fail this examination. And I know many will probably say, this is harsh. You know, we, we don't believe in preaching like this because, you know, it, it, it may make somebody doubt. It may, it may make, stir somebody up or something like that, and we don't want to offend, and we don't want to do this or that. I'm not worried about that. 
As much as I love you, I don't care what you think. I only care what God thinks this morning. He sent me on a mission this morning. And it doesn't matter what you think. It matters what he thinks. Because you see, what you must understand is, if you're a Christian this morning, this will be the most encouraging message you've ever heard. Because you see, what it's going to do is it's going to confirm and, and, and continue to conform you in Christ's likeness. That's what it'll do this morning. If you're here and you're a true believer, born again, then, then what it's going to do is it's going to encourage you and confirm and conform. Because you see, Romans chapter 8, verse 16, listen to this. It says, the Spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And so this morning, as I preach the Word of God and the Holy Spirit moves, His Spirit will confirm with your spirit that you are a child of God. And that will be one of the most wonderful things this morning, that, you, you, that, that Spirit confirms that this morning, and you can rejoice in the security of your salvation that was bought on. Calvary many years ago and you can understand praise God I'm a blood-bought child of the king and I'm washed in his blood it'll confirm this morning it'll confirm because of the spirit but if you're here this morning and listen to the wording of this if you're here this morning, this message, and, and you are a deceived, professing Christian, this message will be convicting. I pray. I pray. And let me just stop right here just a second. If you're here this morning, and the convicting power of the Holy Spirit shows you your lostness this morning and starts drawing you unto this eternal salvation, this personal relationship with him, did you know how privileged you are this morning? We, we shun, oh, we don't want that conviction. Do you know how privileged that the God of the universe that slung the stars in the sky loves you so much that he's going to show you your lostness and then provide you a way to be right with him and to, to provide you the grace that enables you to live for him? You're one most privileged this morning. If the Holy Spirit of God starts convicting your heart, don't push it away. Embrace it because he loves you and he's showing you his love through the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. And you too this morning can be like the lady that posted. I always thought I was. But praise God, now I know. Wouldn't that be the greatest day in your life? And in the life of the church? You see, whether we want to admit it or not, the Western church finds itself in deep poverty, spiritual poverty at that. We find ourselves like the latter church of the latter to see them. We're wretched, we're miserable, we're poor, we're blind, and we're naked, and we don't even realize it. You see, mediocrity runs through the church today like water. We're neither hot nor 
cold and we have settled in and we're in survival mode right now. You see, Jesus didn't die on the cross for us to survive. He died on the cross that we could thrive. And the church today has settled in this survival mode and thus mediocrity, and we find ourselves in deep poverty. I preach, we're doing a 10-city crusade in Haiti, and I, I cannot describe to you. The, the poverty in Haiti is indescribable physically. But the poverty spiritually for the Western church is far worse than that. Far worse than that. And you know, we put our nice clothes on, and we come and we sit in church and we smile at each other and everybody thinks everything is okay and we, we brush our hair and we brush our teeth and we just come and, man, we really look good, you know? Not recognizing the deep spiritual poverty that we're in. When's the last time you saw the supernatural power of God? You see, the supernatural power of God is indescribable. When's the last time the Western church said, I can't even explain what happened this morning? I can't even explain what happened. You see, we've got so used to the natural and what we can do, we're sort of like Ichabod. You see, the power of God is not there, and we don't even realize it. I pray that we'll realize it this morning. You didn't know that you was riding in a Prius this morning, did you? That pothole feels a lot harder in a Prius. You see, there's a result of this because of the humanistic, self-centered gospel that is preached, and it focuses on gain instead of give. You see, if we're going to be like Jesus, Jesus gave his life for us. Thus, we give our life for him. It's not this humanistic gospel that I gain. You know, just trust Jesus and, and, and you'll have everything you ever wanted. Just trust Jesus. And you see, it's all about self. This humanistic gospel is all about self and what I can gain. And, and I can go to heaven and I can do this and I can do that. And it's just attaching Jesus to our life and just making him a part of our life instead of our life. And it doesn't work. It's a lie that the Western church has embraced, and it's not the truth of the Word of God, and thus we find ourselves in spiritual poverty. You see, this humanistic, self-centered gospel does not make much of sin. It does not make much of the severity of sin. Thus, listen, many have been deceived by something they have done instead of, of something the Holy Spirit has done in their lives. Now, listen to me very carefully, and I want you to get this. You see, the Holy Spirit, its main job is to convict the world of what? Sin. 
It's, it, it, the, the, the main job of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of sin in John chapter 16, verse 8. You see, the Holy Spirit can't, can't work unless we make much of sin. Unless the preaching make much of sin. Unless we realize the severity of sin in our life. You see, sin nailed Jesus to the cross. Sin placed a crown of thorns on his head. Sin ripped his flesh where you couldn't even know him. Sin took the whip. Sin caused all of this. And you know, we don't look at sin anymore and we just walk by it and there's no severity of sin and it's all right. Then we've, we've compromised and we, we just said everything is all right. It doesn't matter. It's grace. It's hyper grace today. This hyper grace that says you can have Jesus to do anything you want is a lie. It's a lie. That's not biblical grace as I'm going to show you here in just a second. But you see, the Holy Spirit can't work because we hadn't made much of sin. You see, the humanistic gospel that is full of hyper grace and void of the severity of sin does not transform because the Spirit can't work. And thus, we can say every prayer that you want to say, but if the Spirit of God is not working, there's no transformation because it's a supernatural transformation, and it only comes from the Holy Spirit. My Bible says in John 14, excuse me, John 6, 44, it says, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up on the last day. You see, the Father uses the Spirit to draw and it can't work in the, in, the, in the hyper grace environment that we're in. It's void of sin. You see, the key question this morning for the Western church is not, did you say a prayer, but have you been transformed? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things become new. Has old things passed away? Has all things become new? A long introduction, but it sets the stage. Paints a, Jesus paints a vivid picture right before he ended the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, listen to what it says. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. I want to stop right there, and I want you to look at this. I have read through that passage of Scripture so many times, and I'm telling you, it just about knocked me down the other night. But he that doeth the will of the Father, the will of my Father who is in heaven... Who's going to heaven? You tell me. He that doeth the will of the Father. Who's going to heaven? He that doeth the will of the Father. You know, in our day today, we say, have you prayed a prayer? Kevin and I have talked about this several times because, you know, we're asked to do funerals and him a lot more than me, but I don't know the person and they come to me. Well, they made a profession when they were young. I said, well, where do they go to church? Well, they haven't been to church in the last 30 years. 
You say, Craig, you're judging. Yes, I am. By the fruit they bear. Because my Bible says you'll know them by the fruit they bear. And somehow they want us to preach them into heaven on, on a, a prayer that was, that was void of this thing called sin and the severity of sin. And they prayed a little prayer, but there was no transformation in their life. There's no desire for holiness and there's no de- desire for righteousness. And thus they're going to heaven. That's not what my Bible says. That's not what Jesus is teaching here. He says those that do the will of the Father is going to heaven. And so I must stop right here in the middle of this message and ask you, are you doing the will of the Will of the Father. What dominates you? Think back this past month. What dominated your month? And I'm telling you, if it's not dominated by Jesus, not perfection, now listen to me very carefully. I don't want you to get confused because we can get real legalistic right here, and there's a fine line between legalism and holiness. But listen to me very carefully. You see, it's not talking about perfection. It's talking about direction. Is the direction of your life dominated by the Holy Spirit that resides in you? And if it's not dominated by the Holy Spirit that's within you, then you need to examine this morning. What characterizes your life? What characterizes this last month? Husbands, what characterized your your wife's life this last month? Wives, what characterized your husband's life this past month? Oh, how serious this is this morning. He goes on and says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Cast out devils. In thy name, and in thy name, done many wonderful works. Listen to these words. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Father, I want to pause right now and ask you, Lord, to confirm and to conform or convict and save for your glory alone. We need you. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of this message is a word to the Western church. The first word to the Western church is a shocking word. A shocking word. He says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. You see, to set this in context, he was addressing false teachers and the warning against false teachers in the section right before this section that he preached. And so now we see off of that passage of Scripture a warning to false teachers as well as their followers. And so thus we see what he's laid out here about the true way into the kingdom. And so I want to, first of all, I want to talk about who this involves. And he says, not everyone that saith unto me. So that gives us an indication that there are true believers there. So you got, 
Here he's talking, to the tr- talking about true believers because they were there, but then you're talking about deceived professing believers because it says many. And so it's just like the Western church today. You see, the Western church has true believers and they have professing believers that's never been transformed by the power of God. And so that's why this is a, a word to the Western church because it's talking to the whole church. And it's talking to those that have professed. Because you see, everyone that he's talking to here said, Lord, Lord. And so there was a profession there on each one of these. And it was a profession. And what was he saying to them? Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's shocking. It would be shocking on the hillside of Capernaum. It would be shocking today in the western church. It's shocking because, you see, there there was religiosity of that day running rampant of man-made religion, and the western church is the same way. And today we we have this universal idea that everybody's going to heaven. It doesn't matter what religion you're from or not matter. We worship all the same God and everything's going to be all right. In the end, it's all going to sift out, and it's not. You see, my word is narrow, amen? This word that I'm preaching this morning is narrow, narrow. And not everybody's going to make it like everybody else thinks, that you can, you can, you can do this and, and live how you want to and everybody will make it. That's a lie. That's a deception from the great deceiver. And so we see this in this passage of Scripture that it's shocking today and it's shocking then. But they all had professed. But listen to me, not every profession is a true profession. And this, as I told you, kept ringing in my ear, but those that do the will of the Father. You see, a prayer without connection to holiness, then you see there's no transformation, and thus you can examine this morning. You can examine this morning where you stand with Jesus based on this passage of Scripture, what dominates your life, and who's going to heaven, those that do the will of the Father. Are you doing the will of the Father? Now, I want to make it to where it's not confusing. Simplify this a little bit. You see, we don't do the will of the Father because we can get a mindset of works here and we're saved by grace and grace alone. You see, we don't do the will of the Father to go to heaven. We do the will of the Father because we're going to heaven. You see, because of the the Holy Spirit of God that resides in us, we do the will of the Father. You see, he was describing the the character of a true Christian and, and not how to go to heaven. You see, how to go to heaven. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. He was buried and three days later rose again according to the Scriptures. That's the gospel. The Bible says in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, we, 
We get to heaven through Jesus Christ, but a characteristic of a true believer that's been transformed and controlled by the Holy Spirit, thus we do the will of the Father. You see, it's simplified here in obedience. Are you being obedient to what this word says? Are you being obedient? Does it characterize your life? Are there, are, there, are there holiness in your life? Not perfection, but a direction of holiness in your life. Do you this morning, can you honestly say, you hunger and thirst after righteousness? As he started the Sermon on the Mount. It's awful quiet in here, and it should be. It should be. You see, in 1 John, really strengthens this verse in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Listen to what it says. And the world passes away in the lust thereof, but he, listen, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Listen to what it says in Mark chapter 3, verse 35. For whosoever does the will of God, he is my brother and my sister and my mother. John 14, 15. If ye love me, you'll keep my commandments. John 14, 24. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. And so I want to ask you this morning, does, does our lives support the claims of our lips? Does your life support the claims of your lips? Do you live your life based around Jesus Christ? Think, think, think back now. What's your plans for this week? What's, what, what's going to dominate your week? Is it about self or is it about the Savior? What, 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 what's your goals for this week? You see, you can examine this, and it's very simple to see what dominates all that we do. Because you see, I said that Jesus is not a part of our life. He is our life. And so does this claim of our lips show up in our lives? Do you glorify God with your life? And Kevin and I talked about this uh, between services, you know. Facebook, Instagram... Twitter, Snapchat, it reveals a lot. Would you agree? It does. And it's amazing to me to see people that on their profile picture, they, they have Bible verses and uh, that they love Jesus and all of this. But what comes after that really tells the tale. What they, they do, they show the things that they do, the things that they're involved in, the things, things that they, they like, the things that they wear. And so their lips are, are professing one thing, but their actions are saying another thing. And my Bible says you're lost. That's hard, isn't it? But it's truth. 
Again, not perfection, but direction. It's holiness. A striving to that, a desire to do that. And so do we see this? I want to read something to you. I want to share a verse of Scripture, and then I want to read something that a a friend wrote me just uh, a while back. You see, in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, listen to what the Bible says. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Listen, for you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now listen very carefully. If he's not Lord in this life, he won't be Lord in the next. So it's a matter of this morning of of obedience and lordship. And, And lordship means control. Is Jesus control of your life? Is he in control of your life? It's amazing to me in that that passage of Scripture in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. Is that what it says? No. For whosoever shall call upon the name of what? The Lord shall be saved. And so in salvation, there is an acknowledgement. There is a, a, a handing over. There is a death in your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And thus he lives our life, he lives his life through us, and we are ambassadors for him. And that's how the world knows that Jesus is alive, through us. This is what my dear friend wrote me. He works at SP. He says, we have no right not to suffer for Jesus' sake, no right to build our own kingdom daily with goals that are not God's goals for our life. We have no right to think and speak evil of people God made righteous and bought with his blood and harbor grudges and evil thoughts about them. We have no right to fill our minds and hearts and homes with whatever we like for entertainment, for pleasure, and for satisfaction. We have no right to use our bodies for whatever pleases us. We have no right not to fish for men, not to pray daily and passionately for God's kingdom to come because we are not our own. We have bound ourselves to his mission on this earth. And that's not what I see. We're not our own. We're not our own. We're not here to, to live our lives for ourselves. See, that's the church. We're, the church is here to represent Jesus Christ. How are you representing Jesus? The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the Holy One, the Messiah. How are you representing him in your life? It'll give a good indication on where you stand with him. As we see this, keep going. 
As I was preparing for this, the Lord gave me five C's of examination for this modern era. What's behind your closet? What dominates your cell phone? What dominates your calendar? What dominates your computer? Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. And what dominates your checkbook? You can examine. You can examine. Whether it's got a humanistic source of it's all about us, you can look at all of those things. And you can see, is it about me or is it about him? Is it about the Savior? Is it about self or the Savior? That's an examination this morning. You see, the parable of the pearl of great price just kept coming to my mind as I, I was preparing for this. And it says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 45 and 46, it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking a beautiful pearl, who when, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. You see, that's what I'm talking about this morning. True Christianity is finding that, that pearl of great price and realizing how great it is and selling everything for that pearl. Giving our lives, dying to ourselves, and living for Jesus. What dominates you? Shocking word. Not everyone. But here's a sobering word for the church. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, you see their profession again, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? You see, this passage is all the more scary when one considers the impressive works that many professing believers said to have accomplished on that day, and that day be judgment day. You see, their judgment coming, and many will be there, and many will say this, and they saying they did all this religious work, but you see, Jesus was just their resource and not their source. Jesus was just a resource. You see, a resource is something that aids me, okay? It aids me, and, and, and it aids me to do what I need to do. And see, that's what Jesus is to a lot of people today. He just aids them when they're in financial trouble. He aids them when they're sick. He aids them when they have problems in their family. He aids them in this, but he's not the source of their life. And, and people wonder, why is God doing this to me? And he's not your source. God's not doing it. You see, when we step out and we run our own lives and he is our resource, he has no obligation for protection and covering in your life. We get out from under the umbrella of Jesus. What a scary place it is. What a scary place it is. You see, Jesus didn't die on the cross to follow us. Jesus died on the cross for you to follow him. 
Who are you following today? Is he your resource or is he your source? Is he your life? Is your life dominated by Jesus? Not in perfection, but in direction. That's your heart's cry. That's your goal in your life. You see, you need to check up this morning. If you have no desire for his word, if you have no desire to pray, if you have no desire to spend time with him, and I'm going to allude to that here in just a second. If you have no desire to do these things and to make him Lord of your life, and everything is about you and self. Have you ever talked about somebody that when you're talking to them and you look at them, they're just waiting for you to be quiet so they can talk about their self? Is it about you or is it about Jesus? There's tragic consequences this morning. And we can evaluate through the Word of God this morning. But not only do we see these sobering words, but I finish with this. The saddest words to the Western church, look in verse 23. And then will I profess unto them... These are deceived, professing Christians. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Mm. The saddest words. I never knew you. And I want to talk about that word know there, knew. It carries the idea of, of intimacy. And it's related to Marriage. And he said, I never knew you. In other words, I've never been intimate with you. We've never had that relationship. I never knew you. Can I ask you this morning, how's your intimacy with God? Have you ever been in his presence? Have you ever been overwhelmed by his presence? There is nothing like his presence. I'm telling you, if you've ever been in his presence and had the intimacy with him, there is nothing that compares to it on this earth. And you are so hungry and thirsty for it again that, that everything else disappoints you. Do you have that intimacy with you? With Jesus? Does that characterize your life? Not perfection. Not perfection. But does that characterize your life? You see this hyper grace in this humanistic gospel only focuses on one side. There's no intimacy in it because it's all about me. It's all about what I can gain. It's all about what, what you know, and people say, that, well, that's the grace of God. No, the gra that's not the grace of God. Listen to what biblical grace is. Yes, it forgives us of our sins. It doesn't give us what we deserve, but I'm telling you, this grace that I'm talking about gives us the power and the energy to live for Jesus and a desire for Jesus. That's the grace I'm talking about. That's the grace that transforms. That's the grace that the Holy Spirit of God gives you. That's the grace we need. That's the grace that the Western church needs. Not this hyper grace that anything goes, but it's seeing our desperate need 
and humbling ourselves and understanding it's not about us and that we understand, as John the Baptist says, I must decrease and he must increase. And it's not our platform, but it's his platform. It's not our kingdom, but it's his kingdom. And we build on that for the glory of God. And he finds us faithful when he comes doing his will. And those that he finds doing his will, he will not say, depart from me. I never knew you. Glory to God. <laughs> Ooh, I'm about to have a spell. <laughs> he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys that I set before. A shocking word. A sobering word. And the saddest word to the Western church. I end with this. And Jesus proclaimed this right before he did this message in his Sermon on the Mount. And it comes from Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Listen to what it says. It says, enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and the broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Now listen, it says many. He says, many will say to me, did we not do this? Did we not do this? Did we not do this? You see, there's on the, 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 the broad way. They never in, entered by the narrow gate that never came by the way of the cross you see the only thing I've got this morning the only thing that 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 I can I can proclaim why I'm going to heaven this morning is the cross <laughs> you see it's nothing I've done it's nothing about me you see I get to heaven and somebody asks me how'd you get here all I can say is I came by the way of the cross <laughs> that's all I can say I came by the way of the cross but listen to what it says in verse 14. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Which way are you on? What dominates your life? What's your heart desire? Does your lips proclaim what your life lives? That's a word for the Western church. Shocking, sobering, and sad, but true. Bow your heads with me with every head bowed and every eye closed. As Justin comes, and he's just going to start playing softly as you rise to your feet. You're here this morning. And this message this morning, through the preaching of the Word of God, that He has confirmed and He has given you desire to conform more into His likeness. 
If you're, he's confirmed your salvation this morning. You know that you're born again. You're a child of the king. You've been changed by the power of God. You've been transformed by the power of God this morning. And you know, you know, and it's been confirmed this morning. I want to ask you to come right now. To, I still believe you can get to an old-fashioned altar and get some help. But I, if, if, you've, if it's been confirmed in your heart today that you know you're saved and you want to be more like him and you've been encouraged this morning, I'm going to ask you to come and just come to this old altar and thank him. If you're here this morning and you say, Craig, I wasn't confirmed, but I was convicted, and I need Jesus this morning. I need Jesus this morning. As he's come, that it's been confirmed in their heart. But today I'm convicted. And my life is not dominated by Jesus, and I've been, and I understand that this morning, and it's been revealed to me this morning. And today, I, I need Jesus. Call on him as Lord. Believing he died on the cross and three days later rose again. And today, too, you can say, as the lady did, I always thought I was, but now I know I am. If that's, your, if that's where you are today, would you just lift up your hand? And say, I always thought I was, but this, God bless you. Who else to be honest? God bless you. I always thought I was, but now I know I am. Now I know I am. I always thought I was, but now I know I am. God bless you. I'm going to pray here in just a second. And the Holy Spirit of God has, 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 has done in your heart like it did this lady. And she settled it. I'm going to ask you to, to go back to the room back here where Pastor Kevin and Matthew are at, and confirm it. Say, I always thought I was, but now I know I am. I've caught on Jesus. I'm making him Lord of my life. I'm making him Lord of my life. And you confirm that. You see, if you can't walk over there and tell them, how in the world can you tell a world and live it out? Father, thank you for what you've done. and pray you'll continue, Lord, with this message. To resonate, to confirm, conform, convict, and to save. For I believe it's the message of today, where we stand, with you. Thank you for this time. Bless your name. And those that called on you today and confirmed that. I always thought I was, but now I know I am. Give them the strength, encouragement. Don't let pride steal. Lord, we'll give you praise. For you alone are worthy. Thank you for helping me. I cannot do it without you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for today's message. Find us at www.mpbc.church and on Facebook at facebook.com slash mpbcnc. Have a great day, and we hope you'll join us again next week.